were people, what were some of people's favorite children's books? Did anyone have favorite children's books? You can just yell it out. I'll see if I can hear it. Jurassic Park. Wow, awesome. I was too scared as a child to read that, so, yeah. Any other favorite books? Giving Tree, that's a good one. Any other ones? Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys, that was a good one. My favorite children's book was a book called Go Dogs Go. Did anyone read that book? I think my favorite line in that whole book is when a dog walks up and it says, this dog has a hat. And the person, and the, not the person, the dog walks up to another dog and says, do you like my hat? And the dog says, no, I do not like your hat. And then they just leave. I'm like, wow, that was really simple. <laughs> awesome. Well, this morning, I want to talk through something that God has been teaching me in my own life. So God has been revealing to me this past month a phrase, and this phrase is that it's all about people. It's all about people. It's all about loving and being patient and serving people. But people can be so complicated sometimes. Also, if we need to change to the handheld, I can change to the handheld. Perfect. But people can be really complicated sometimes. I don't know about you, but as I've gone through this pandemic, I feel like as the pandemic's gone on, my capacity for patience and love for others has actually gone down. If it was a graph that we were charting out, it would be a downward slope with just little peaks on the days that I eat Chick-fil-A. That would be my patience and my love for other people. Now, people can be so frustrated sometimes. I'll be going down the road and I'll be singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. And then I'll be like, Zipper Merge! Zipper Merge! What are you doing? Zipper Merge! And I will flip my indicator and I'll hop into the next lane and I'll go past them and I'll give them the glare like, you know that you did something wrong. I know that you did something wrong. I'm upset. Or I could be going through Facebook and I'll be scrolling through and I'll see someone post something that I disagree with and inside I'll feel my blood pressure start to rise and I'll be like, ugh, why are you the way you are? Sometimes I echo with the lyrics from one of my favorite artists, Jonathan McReynolds, and he says, they are the best and the worst that you've created. They are loving and hating and opinionated. And the chorus goes on to say, deliver me from people. Deliver me, save me from people. What about you? Is it really tough to love the people in your life sometimes? Think about your everyday spaces. Can any of you relate to this? Maybe as you go to school, as you go to work, as you're at home, or even as you're scrolling through social media, isn't it tough to love people sometimes? So during the series, we've been looking at the story of Jesus, specifically the works, the words, and the ways of Jesus. Now what I mean by that is the works, we're looking at the things that Jesus did. The words, looking at the things that Jesus taught. And the ways, looking at the ways that Jesus modeled how to love other people. And what we've discovered through the Gospels is that Jesus empowers us through his Holy Spirit to do these things. So today we're going to look at the words of Jesus, and specifically the words in a story that Jesus told. Now, have any of you heard of the term Good Samaritan? Raise your hand if you've heard of the term Good Samaritan thrown around. Or if you haven't heard of that term, maybe the term love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard uh, of that term? Now, this passage, those two concepts actually come from the passage that we're going to look at today. 
And in that passage, we're going to see how Jesus demonstrates his love for those around him and how we too can demonstrate Christ's love for those around us as well. It's an invitation that Jesus offers. Now, this morning is going to be a little different. So how we're going to do this morning is I'm going to dive into the text. I'm going to give you some reflections that I have, but then we're actually going to take some moments together and reflect on some of the questions that I feel the text invites us to ask. So on your way in, you should have grabbed a journal and a pen. If you haven't grabbed a journal or a pen, please raise your hand, and I believe that there are people in the back that will get you a journal or a pen. So if you don't have a journal, just raise your hand, and we will get journals to you. I see one person there, a couple people in the center. Awesome. And if you're online, I'd really encourage you to grab something to write with and something to write on. So like I said, oh, we have one down in the front right here who needs a journal. Wonderful. So this morning, I'm going to read the text. We're going to reflect on the text together. I'm going to give you some of my reflections, and then we're together going to process some of the questions that I believe the text invites us to ask. There'll be some music, there'll even be some liturgy, and I think it's going to be a really fun experience today. So, are we ready? Ready to dive into the story? Wonderful. We have a couple more people needing journals here. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Can we just give a hand to our welcome team? They're wonderful. They're awesome. Awesome. So if you have a Bible, the passage we're going to be looking at today is Luke chapter 10. So if you have a Bible or app, you can pull up Luke chapter 10. And if you don't, don't worry, it'll be on the screen right behind me. Now, before we dive into Luke chapter 10, I want to give you a couple notes that will help set the context for this passage. And I call them my fun facts. All right, so fun fact number one. So we are going through Luke chapter 10, but we need to look before that at Luke chapter 9. So in Luke chapter 9, Luke tells us that Jesus has set out for Jerusalem. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 9, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was heading to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem would be the place where Jesus would be beaten and stripped and eventually crucified. But on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going to teach his disciples what it looked like to represent the kingdom that he was bringing. And so when we look at this passage in Luke chapter 10, we need to remember that Luke chapter 10 is in the context of these teachings. That Luke chapter 10 invites us to think about what does this passage say about Jesus? And what does this passage say about Jesus's kingdom? So that's fun fact number one. This passage is about Jesus's kingdom. And then fact number two, and we also find this in chapter nine. So Jesus sets out for Jerusalem with his disciples, but the journey gets off to a little bit of a rocky start. Jesus is heading to Samaritan. Normally the Jews went around Samaritan, but like Donna said, Jesus was in the habit of going through. And so Jesus is going through Samaritan and he sends people ahead of him to say to the village, hey, the teacher's coming, prepare yourself, the teacher's coming. But the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus. And so when news reaches the disciples that the Samaritans aren't going to welcome Jesus, here's what the disciples said. The disciples looked at Jesus and said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? It is a little discouraging that that was the first thought that popped in the disciples' minds. And it almost seems like they were too eager, like, Lord, we can do this. We can call down fire and destroy them. But it wasn't surprising that this is what the disciples thought. 
Like Pastor Donna mentioned last week, the Samaritans and Jewish people hated each other. They were ancient enemies who thought the worst of each other. And this is an important note to remember as we go through this passage. So fun fact number one, this passage is about Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. And fact number two, the Jewish and Samaritan people did not like each other. They were enemies. So with that in mind, we're ready to head into Luke chapter 10. But before we do that, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit into our time together. So would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for the beauty of gathering together in this space. And we thank you for your word that reminds us who you are and invites us to follow you and live as people that represent your kingdom to those around us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you guide our time? Would you open up our hearts, open up our ears to hear what you're saying? And would you lead us as we walk through this passage together? Thank you that you are present in this room. Jesus, would you be our guide? In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so our first section is in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 30, and this will be on the screen right behind me, or you can read along with your Bible. This is what Luke says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself or some translations say he wanted to find a loophole in the commandment that he had just recited. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We're going to stop there. So in Jewish culture, the concept of eternal life was correctly tied to living in God's kingdom. So another way to phrase the teacher's question would be, what must I do to live as a part of God's kingdom? What must I do to live in God's kingdom? Now Jesus affirms his answer that loving God and loving others shows that you belong to the kingdom of God. And if loving God and loving others is core to belonging to the kingdom of God, this man's follow-up question, even though he asked it to test Jesus, his follow-up question is actually a really important question for us to ask as well. And his follow-up question is, who is my neighbor? So in your journal, you can write this at the top. This is the first question this text invites us to reflect on. Who is my neighbor? As you think about this question... Think about who is someone that I interact with or see in my everyday spaces. That's how I want to kind of focus the question this morning. Who is someone I see in my everyday spaces? I love how one pastor puts it. Who are the people in the ripple effect of my daily life? When you drop a rock in the water, there's a ripple effect that goes out from it. And so imagine yourself kind of walking through water. Who are the people that are in the ripple effect of your life? This could be your geographical neighbors. It could be the grocery uh, store person that checks out your groceries. It could be the classmates that you interact with or the coworkers that you pass by in the hallway. It could be the people that you engage with on social media. Who is in the ripple effect of your life? Who is your neighbor? 
So this morning, I'm actually going to give you a couple minutes to reflect on that question and ask the Holy Spirit, who is my neighbor, and jot down some of the names that come to mind. And while you do that, Nathan's going to come up and play some guitar just to add some music to this time of reflection. But go ahead. I'll bring you back in a couple minutes. But ask the Holy Spirit, who is my neighbor, and jot down a couple names. Awesome. Who is my neighbor? I don't know what names came to mind for you this morning, but as I was just sitting and thinking about it, uh, this past couple weeks, I've actually had to go to the DMV a lot, and I still have to go there this next week to get some documents processed. And so as I was thinking, who is my neighbor? The DMV people are going to be in the ripple effect of my life this week. And so as I show up at 8 a.m., how can I be someone that walks with love and grace as I greet them? and as they help me out. So who is your neighbor? All right, so after the teacher asks, who is my neighbor, we're going to continue reading through Luke. So we're going to start in verse 30. The teacher asks, who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, let's kind of envision ourselves in the audience as they're hearing the story, as they're hearing Jesus' answer to this teacher. There are four characters in the story. There's the man who is attacked by robbers. There's the priest, the Levite, 
and the Samaritan. Now, if I was in the audience hearing the story, I would have been filled with a lot of hope when I heard that the priest was walking along the road and there was someone in need. This is because the priests were known as the people who mediated the relationship between God and the people. The priests were experts in the law. They would have known exactly the laws that the teacher quoted earlier of loving God and loving your neighbor. The priest was a good person, and I would just be waiting for the priest to come and help this man. But there's a twist. The priest just walks on by. And he doesn't just walk on by unintentionally. He actually stops, looks at the man, and intentionally passes by to the other side. But then the next person comes along, and this was a Levite, and this would be kind of like the modern-day worship leader. They were the people that helped the priests in the temple. And so if I'm listening to the story, I'm thinking, okay, the priest didn't help someone out, but maybe the Levite is going to come and help this man out. But the Levite, too, looks, sees the man, and intentionally passes by and walks to the other side. If I'm in the audience, maybe I'm thinking, okay, what were some reasons that the priests and the Levites passed by? Maybe they were busy. Maybe they were on their way home. Maybe they thought someone else is going to come and help this man. In those days in Jewish culture, it was also in their laws that if they touched this man who was half dead and beaten, that this man was considered unclean. And so maybe the priests and the Levites were worried about being ritually unclean and they wanted to stay ritually pure. But here is the biggest plot twist in the story. The third person comes along. And so if I'm listening, I'm like, okay, the priest went, the Levite went. Who is this third person? And to my shock, this is not a priest or a Levite, but a Samaritan. Remember how I mentioned before how Samaritans were considered enemies of the Jewish people. In fact, I read in a commentary that this path from Jerusalem to Jericho that this man was taking, the audience would have been familiar with this path because this was actually a path that they used to get around Samaria. This is a way that they would have avoided even interacting with the Samaritan people. But a Samaritan was going down the road, and the Samaritan saw, he stopped, and had compassion. So as we think through the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan and the different ways they interacted with each other, here's the next question that I believe the text invites us to ask. And so you can write this down. The next question is, is there a barrier that is keeping you from loving your neighbor? Is there a barrier that is keeping you from loving your neighbor? Are there people that you have seen, but something keeps you from stopping and actually helping them? Something keeps you walking past them. A barrier could be that it's inconvenient to love them, that you're a busy person, you just don't have time. A barrier could be the ways that we prioritize ourselves and our own desires at the expense of those around us. A barrier could be that it's just so tough and frustrating and messy and exhausting to love them. A barrier could be that you ideologically disagree with them. I find this a lot on Facebook. This is a barrier in my life that keeps me from loving those around me. Another barrier could be that it, you think that it doesn't benefit me to love this person. It doesn't benefit me to help them. What, what do I gain from that situation? Or maybe you even just think of this person as your enemy, like the Samaritan and Jewish people. So let's take some time. I'll give you another two minutes here, but let's take some time and reflect. Is there a barrier that is keeping you from loving your neighbor? Is there a barrier that is keeping me 
from loving my neighbor? Let's reflect on that question together, and Nathan will lead us. You can keep reflecting if you want. But one of, the passages, one of the practices that I have really appreciated at Mill City is the practice of confession. It's the practice of surrendering the ways that we've wandered from God's heart and holding on to the forgiveness that Jesus offers. It helps open up our hearts to be equipped by the Spirit to love those that God invites us to love. So this morning, we're going to read a liturgy together. And so there's going to be a part where I'll read as the leader, but then there'll be a part where you'll see the congregation, the liturgy invites you to respond. And so this morning, we want to surrender the barriers that keep us from loving our neighbors and hold on to the forgiveness that Jesus offers and hold on to the courage that Jesus offers to love our neighbors. And so would you join me as we read this liturgy together? Here's our prayer. God of mercy, we take time to surrender the things that keep us from loving others. We confess the times where we have made excuses driven by comfort, busyness, or apathy. We confess the situations in which we have prioritized our own desires at the expense of others. Jesus, we confess the moments where we have neglected to love our neighbor by thinking ill of them. We confess the moments where we have turned our backs on the most vulnerable. Spirit, we surrender the distractions, the pride, and our plans that keep us from noticing and loving those around us. We surrender as we pray. Lord, have mercy. God who forgives, as we surrender these things, 
we hold on to you. Grant us strength to take down the barriers that keep us from joining you and serving those around us. Give us eyes to see the needs of our neighbor and wisdom on how to act. Jesus, would we follow your lead and lay down our lives for each other, driven by your love. Holy Spirit, grant us compassion to better listen, love, and join in the work you are doing by serving those around us. Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hold on and pray. Lord, have mercy. So we've asked the question, who is my neighbor? We've asked the question, is there a barrier that is keeping me from loving my neighbor? And now we move to the final section in our story. And so we'll read it. We'll start in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, or that's two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So the Samaritan, the unlikely hero of our story, saw, stopped, and had compassion. He loved his neighbor, the person he came across, who was in the ripple effect of his life. Now, there are three ways that I think the Samaritan loved his neighbor. 
The Samaritan loved his neighbor by offering his time, his energy, and his resources. His time, his energy, and his resources. We see this in the story. The Samaritan offers his time by actually stopping. On his journey, he stops, and then he might even have gone on a detour to take this man to an inn and take care of him. We see the Samaritan offering his energy in the way that he took this man and bandaged his wounds, even putting this man on his donkey and probably walking alongside him on this path. And we see the Samaritan offer his resources, offering his two days wages, offering the oil and the wine that he had. And what I love about the Samaritan is he just offers what he has. He doesn't say, wait, 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 go, I need to go get something and then I'll come back and help you. He sees a need and he says, I have oil and wine and I have two days of money. And this is what I'm going to use to help this person. So the Samaritan loved this person through his time, his energy, and his resources. So Jesus flips the question on the man and the audience. Instead of asking, who is my neighbor? Jesus invites the man to think about how are you being a neighbor? How are you being a neighbor? How are you walking with mercy and compassion? How are you loving people in your everyday spaces? How are you loving people through your time, your energy, and your resources? So the final question I want us to reflect on today is a little bit of an iteration of that question. And the question is, what is one way God is inviting me to love my neighbor this week? What is one way God is inviting me to love my neighbor this week? Maybe it's helpful to split it up into time, energy, and resources. When it comes to time, could it be stopping and asking the person who checks out your groceries, how are you really doing? and actually listening to them in that 30-second conversation. Maybe it's through your energy. What about like helping a neighbor with a project that they're working on at their home? What if it's your, through your resources and making dinner for a friend who is going through a really tough time, or just making dinner for a friend and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I just recently had one of our community members drop off a loaf of sourdough bread, and I felt so loved by that. What are ways that you can use your time, energy, and resources to love those around you? Maybe it's even just making space to listen to their story. But as we end our time today, let's take a couple minutes and just reflect on the question, what is one way God is inviting me to love my neighbor this week?
still thinking through things, you can finish that up. It's all about people. That's what God's been telling me, and that's what this passage is about. How are you being a neighbor to those around you? Now, as we end our time, one of the sweetest parallels I see in this passage is the love of the Samaritan and the unconditional love of Jesus. That Jesus is on his journey to the cross when he tells this story should remind us of the depths of his compassion. All around us, we see brokenness, selfishness, and the effects of sin on this world. And we read in the Bible how this sin separated us from a loving God, and there was nothing we could do to make a way to be in relationship with that God. We were like a person lying helpless on the road. But in the Bible, you'll see we serve a God who stopped, saw, and had compassion. We serve a God who stopped. And it's, we read in the Gospel of John that Jesus didn't just stop, but he came down. I love what the translation of the message says. Jesus moved into the neighborhood, and he took that brokenness, that selfishness, and the effects of sin, and he took it on himself. And in the greatest act of self-giving love, he took it to the cross and took the punishment that we deserved in order to make a way for us to be in relationship with God. But just like the story of the Good Samaritan had twists, the story of Jesus had the greatest plot twist in history, that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose again. And in his resurrection, he defeated death and invited us to be in relationship with a God of compassion. He made a way for us to be in relationship with a God who's our healer, a God who's a provider, a God who is with us, who for me has daily set me free from fear, and a God who we know and we cling to will come back and restore all things. In Jesus' death and resurrection, in this act of self-giving love, he invites us into that love. There's nothing we could do to earn it. There's no list of rules that we have to keep. But Jesus invites us into that love, and not only invites us into that love, but out of his grace, he says, go and reflect my love to those around you. Be people that walk with compassion and grace. Be people that see those in need stop and have compassion. Don't be people that just keep walking. Now, why we're talking about the story is because this is core to who we are as a community. Our mission at Mill City is to love our neighborhood in the name of Jesus. Love our community in the name of Jesus. God has invited us to reflect his love for our neighbors in the ways that we show up for them. And we've done this. We've seen the joy of joining God in the work that God is doing. We've seen our own lives transformed, and we've seen parts of the city restored and renewed. And so as we head into the fall, the last challenge I'll give you is let's be people that continue to join God in the work that God is doing. To be people that continue to ask, who is my neighbor? What are the barriers that keep me from loving that neighbor? And what is one way that God is inviting me to love that neighbor this week? Let's be people that follow the Spirit and are vessels of hope and love. People that actually see, stop, and have compassion instead of going past. That's our challenge today as a congregation as we leave this space. We're going to end with a couple songs in worship, but would you pray with me? And we'll go into the end of our service. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who saw, stopped, and had compassion. We thank you that you are a God of unfailing love, 
that you're God who made a way for us to be a part of that unfailing love. Jesus, would we be people who are vessels of your hope and peace? Would we be people that reflect your kingdom to those around us? People that say we love God and live that out in our lives. People that not only say we love our neighbor, but actually live that out. And so Jesus, thank you for this time of reflecting together. Would you continue these reflections? Would you continue to teach us and lead us as we leave this space? Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In your name I pray. Amen.